morning. <laughs> right. Well, praise God he's here. I was saying to Pastor Judith on the way in, do you remember that song, Awesome in This Place? You are awesome in this place. I used to sing that and still do when I think of it. You're awesome in this place. Not just kind of in the building in the four walls. <laughs> You're awesome in this place. And that's kind of what I want to speak about this morning, about being the house of God. Uh, we're going to start with our uh, slide, more than a slide, it's... it's really a kind of key slogan that the Lord's given to us this year, the blessing of a set heart. How many of you have downloaded that on your phone? Quite a few of you. I think that's so, so great to have as a reminder because the Lord knows how we operate. He made us. He knows we're really quite influenced by what comes through our eyes and our ears. Um, and so I just think that's so great every time you kind of flip it on. Flip it, Nokia, that's taking... I used to love that flip thing, but every time you turn it on, there it is, the blessing of a set heart. It's a great reminder to have. And in Joshua 1, verse 8, when Joshua took over the leadership of God's people from Moses, the Lord said to him, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That's frequent that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. He knew, i got to get my word in front of this man day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day. Because we're influenced by what we see, and we're influenced by what we hear. So that he will know it to do it. Let's bring that right the way forward to present day so that we will know it to do it. Then we make our own way prosperous and have good success. And a lot of us have had a great start to the new year, um, you know, setting our hearts to follow Jesus. But he wants us to keep motivated and to keep empowered, really to get our get up and go for him, from him. Because who knows? You kind of run out of steam on your own. You know, you can have a great start with all great intentions, but the ability to keep going, it actually comes from him, doesn't it? And the Lord has given us such a winning strategy to help us do that. And if we could have the triangle, if you weren't here last weekend, I really recommend you have a look uh, at the message from last weekend. But PJ was sharing how... The Lord's given us this strategy to keep going with God and to keep being empowered by him and to reach the world through it all. And every time I think of that even, I don't even have to see it, every time I think of it, I just think that is just a master plan. It's genius. You know, it's, it's complete, actually. If we will, as individuals and as a whole church, commit to that intimacy with God being transformed to fulfill our personal and unique assignments wherever we are, we, we can't fail. It's, it's just amazing. It really is a refocus on Christ and his call. Not one or the other. We can kind of get, it's all Jesus or it's all the call. It's, it's, it's everything. As we stay focused on him, He enables us to fulfill the calling. It's kind of really what I want to speak about this morning because no matter what our roles are in life, in your home, 
you know, in your workplace, in church, beyond that, into your hobbies and your interests. He wants this to filter through everything. To flow through, thank you for that, amen. To flow through and really influence and affect every aspect of life. Be the main thing that affects everything else. And, you know, a lot of people fluctuate in keeping Jesus the main thing. I know I have in the past. You know, I can have a really great start and a good kind of run at it. But then flesh and the enemy get in and kind of lose focus and stray off course. And you don't need me to tell you, in the end, we all do what we really want to do. Don't we? We really do. You know, if you want to buy a car... You will get focused on saving, unless you have endless pots of money. If you want to go on holiday, you'll get focused on saving. If you want to get fitter and healthier, you'll get focused on, you know, getting temptation out of your fridge and cupboards and getting a bit of exercise into your week. You get focused. Do you not? Because if it's in our hearts, we will work it out or we will walk it out. If it's in our hearts, it'll affect our feet. It'll affect what we do. And that's why it's so important to set our hearts and keep setting our hearts, because they do have a tendency to stray. I don't know if you've noticed that. Keep setting our hearts on Jesus and his call. I don't know if you're like me. I, I, I really operate quite well with visual things. I like photos, um, you know, if I want to buy something or achieve something, I'll have a I, you know, I used to have a photo on my phone or I put a photo on my fridge. It's motivational because every time I see that thing, it reminds me of what I want to do. Now, at the moment, a lot of you know this, but I've got a bit of an issue with my eyes. Uh, I've got very dry eyes that makes them very light sensitive. And when I'm studying, I kind of forget to blink. And drink. And so I have a post-it on my desk that says blink and drink. (laughs) It's so helpful because every time I see it, it's reminding me of what I need to do. If I blink enough, as I should, and drink enough water, it kind of really helps my eyes. But we need these things. Does anybody else operate like that? I need reminders. It is in my heart, but it's very helpful to have a reminder on the outside to do what I really want to do. And it's... It's kind of, I thought of it like a selfie. I don't really get why so many people want to take selfies. But anyway, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But I think that's a really great selfie to draw that out, take a photo on your phone and say, well, that's me. That's who I am. That's what I want to do. This is how I want to live. God's plan. His vision, actually, for your life and my life. And in Habakkuk, you'll know this well, it says, write the vision down. Make it plain. That he who reads it can run with it. Write the vision down, make it plain. That he who reads it may run with it. And we all need to run with this, actually. And he wants us clear on what he's calling us to do, but also filled with faith that we can do it. Like, you can do this. This is not beyond you. I'm going to kind of help you hopefully see that as we walk through. But... You may look at that triangle and think to yourself, whether you voice it out loud or not, you may think to yourself, but I am fully maxed. How can I now shoehorn this in 
to my week, you know? Or you may think, well, I can do that bit. I can do the intimacy with God bit. And I can do the kind of transformation bit by the grace of God. But I kind of struggle with the outreach bit or the assignment bit. But actually, we can all do all of it because he's in us. He is the great enabler. If we've got that God connection going on, the intimacy with God bit, we have his grace. We have his grace to walk it all out and do it well. We're going to look at 2 Timothy 1 uh, and verse 9. I'm going to connect this bit to the verse 8. It's, it's, it's God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. It had nothing to do with your performance. It happened actually before you were even born. But this is the amazing thing about our Lord God Almighty. He sees from the end, the end from the beginning. He knew you'd get saved. And he had a plan and purpose for your life from the beginning. Amazing. Like mind-blowing stuff. Just say purpose and grace. Purpose and grace. He has a purpose for us and there's grace for it. Most of us know the purpose bit. We know. You know, most of us have been in church long enough to know, well, he has got a purpose for my life. There is such a thing as destiny, destiny in God. Things that we're actually predestined to walk in and do. Um, but we really need to remember and believe the grace part. <laughs> Have faith in the grace part. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. But actually, you've got his grace to do it. It's amazing, isn't it? If we can just go back to the triangle... So if you are thinking, oh, big sigh, something extra to work into the already busy week, it's not. It's something that's designed to fit you well and filter through all of life. So because of your connection with God, top part, intimacy with God, say you get into a difficult situation at work and six months ago, You'd have not handled it so well, maybe gone off on one, whether that's quietly or internally. (laughs) But you wouldn't have reacted well. Because of your intimacy with God, you handle that situation altogether differently. You've been transformed. Or, because of your intimacy with God, your connection with him that's real, and you're talking to him throughout the day, you find your assignment just in the stuff of life, at the school gates, with a customer or a colleague at work. You know, like Peter and John in the book of Acts. They were just doing what they normally did in life, going to the temple, part of their normal routine, and lo and behold, there's a lame man. It's an opportunity, a God assignment. It's just in the course of life. So because of our connection with him, number one, we get transformed and we walk into, big and small, the assignments he has for us in our days, and in our weeks, and in our months, and in our years. But it all starts with number one, connection with him. Connection with him that changes us and actually gives us opportunities. And I'll be honest, I am one of those people who um, I can kind of look, or historically anyway, 
look at a picture like that and think, well, I can do the intimacy with God bit, and I'm committed to the transformation bit, but I struggle a bit with the assignment bit. Anybody else admit to finding that one a bit oh, not so strong in that area? And personally, for me, I don't like intruding on people. I don't like kind of steering a conversation strongly in one direction. It's naturally not what I'm comfortable in. Uh, so in the past, I found it quite hard to bring Jesus into conversation. But a bit of test me. In the, um, we had the first lockdown, I think, in March of 2020. And um, like many of you, if not all of you, I used to watch the news every day and I used to watch those horrific daily figures of people who were lost to this wicked disease. And I, I asked myself that uncomfortable question, because there were thousands, weren't there, daily. I asked myself that uncomfortable question, how many of those are going to heaven? And how many are going to hell? In reality, throughout the day, my gosh, it was unbearable. Because, of course, the conclusion is many were not going to heaven. It should be unbearable, shouldn't it? We should find that pretty uncomfortable. And, um, and actually, I watched a story about Van Gogh this week. My gosh, he was a troubled soul. And one of the last paintings he did was, was the title of it is Man at Eternity's Gate. And I thought to myself, and there's this, this, this painting of a man sitting on a chair with his head in his hands. Oh, it gripped me. And I just thought the reality is we are all that man because we are all at eternity's gate. In reality, in light of eternity, this life is such a blip, a speck in time. All of us, all of humanity... We are the man or the woman at eternity's gate. I found it so motivational. But anyway, through all of that and the lockdown and these figures, I just started to pray. That's, that's kind of the, the launching pad for it all. And I started getting opportunities with people. But what I noticed joyfully, I had changed. I had this supernatural boldness that was not my natural inclination. Do you know what I mean? And there was such a grace such a grace in conversation. I experienced the oil, really, the, the life of the Spirit, just a kind of, it's a seasoning, isn't it? It's just a little bit here, a little bit there, and, you know, the conversation goes on. But then I moved house. But I really believe Acts 17, we have pre-appointed times. He sets the pre-appointed times and boundaries of our dwelling. If you pray, you will live next to and work with the right people. Um, anyway, so I moved house and I, I met three people who I've got to know quite well actually and I've had some pretty full-on Jesus conversations with them. And I'm going to tell you about a couple of them. Um, one of them, I'm going to call him Derek. You've heard me share a bit of testimony before. He's 90 years old. But this man is fit as a fiddle. He walks and walks. I walk a bit because of my dog. I'm out every day. Anyway, I bump into him pretty regularly. He has a circuit that he does. And um, I've told him, I started with, well, I'm a Christian. And eventually I got around to, well, actually, I'm a minister, which he just thought was very surprising. Uh, <laughs> I still find it surprising myself. But anyway, he just, he couldn't, he just couldn't fathom it. 
Um, anyway, to cut a long story short, you told me, well, I used to have faith. But I lost my faith. And I said, so Derek, why is that then? And he said, well, ministers, I found are hypocritical. <laughs> and I said, well, the thing is, God's good, but people don't always represent him well. We don't. None of us represent him brilliantly all the time. But that doesn't change the fact that God is good. And he told me all sorts of stuff about his life. I mean, we went back right the way to the second. He's got 90 years of stories. Um, you know, we went back to the Second World War and the Holocaust. He wanted to talk about the Jews. He wanted to talk about this, that, and the other. And I, I said, ultimately, Derek, um, I, I believe in heaven and hell. As much as I believe God is good and real, I believe there's a dark side. Actually, we have an enemy of our souls, and he doesn't want you to find out any more about God. He's always working to steer you away. Is he? I said, yes, he is. He said, well, if, if heaven's real, where is it? <laughs> I said, well, it's invisible. It's spirit realm. He said, well, that's an easy cop-out, isn't it? I said, well, no, it's not a cop-out. It's real. Heaven is a real place with a population and a city. I started to tell him a bit about heaven because I've researched. When my mum was going to be with the Lord, I researched into heaven so I could help her. And so I was able to tell him a bit about heaven. And um, he said, but you can't see it. I said, no. I said, but Derek, look, oxygen's real. We can't see it. It's doing us good with every breath. But if that went, you'd soon know about it. In the reverse, germs are real, viruses are real, but they affect us so negatively, yet you'll never see it enter your system. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was like I just had an answer for every little kind of thing going on, ticking around his head. But there was such an ease to it. And he said at the end of it, well, I hope we meet again. I said, well, I hope we will. I thought, well, I'm going to pray we will. You know? But it was the prayer beforehand that really released the grace into that situation. And actually, I'd read the night before in Genesis 28, when Jacob had that encounter with God, and that his eyes were open to see into the spirit realm. Do you remember the story? He saw that ladder with angels ascending and descending between heaven and earth, and he said, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And I wrote, I'd actually written it the night before, up in my kitchen, I am the house of God. I am the gate of heaven. And at one point in that chat with Derek, you know, I had a bit of a, oh, what shall I say to that? I knew this was an opening for God. I knew this was a gate. But it helped me so much to remember I'm the house of God. God's here. God's in here. He'll just, and it was like, I just relaxed. It's like, well, you know, he'll know what to say and carried on the conversation. It helped. I'm going to tell you about another neighbor uh, I'm going to call her Liz. She said, I've you know, told her I'm a Christian and bits and pieces. Anyway, she sent me a text about three weeks ago to say that she'd been diagnosed with cancer. Um, she'd asked me to pray for her son, who also has been diagnosed with cancer and going through treatment. Anyway, it was, a, it was quite a long text, and she was having an operation in a couple of days' time. But I knew it was a reach for the Lord. I knew this is somebody absolutely recognizing, well, 
that person, that person believes she at this point doesn't, but she knows I do. And so it was, a re- it was her way of reaching for the Lord. And I've had actually lots of chats with her and been able to show her really the kindness of God and the care of God. One of those chats was between two and four in the morning, believe it or not. Uh, I got a phone call. It's quite a shock, isn't it? Well, you kind of panic when your phone goes at that time of the morning. And um, she said, can you come? I'm, I'm in a terrible mess. I'm in terrible pain. I think I've got an infection. I've called an ambulance, but can you come? I said, give me, give me five minutes. <laughs> I'll be there. Anyway, got dressed, went round there. And um, she was... She was panicking, but she was also in terrible pain and sweating and feverish. I said, come on, let's get you sat down, because I thought, if you fall down, I can't lift you. Let's, come on. We got, I got her into the lounge. I said, Liz, look, can I pray for you? I, I'm just going to go for it here. I, you know, what can I lose? Half past two. Can I pray for you? Can I, can I lay... Can I lay my? I said, this might seem weird to you. I don't know what her experience of church has been, but can I put my hand on your shoulder? Oh, fine. So there she is, sitting in an IT in a dressing gown with a stoma bag because she'd had the op, waiting for the ambulance. And I just, I just prayed. I prayed whatever came to me. I prayed the Lord would remove any infection, take away the pain, and give the medics wisdom to know what to do when they arrived. Anyway, oh yeah, I prayed for peace. I did a loose peace peace to me as well and um anyway and then and then I thought I'm going to move the conversation on because this is weird for her so I chatted to her about her lounge and you know kind of her interior design and her pictures and this and that and she pointed out this is various members of her family she calmed down I said Liz how's the pain now oh she said it's calm right down I said you still feel feverish she said it's just God she said feel my forehead I said I will I said isn't that amazing Liz she said people get a bit spooked don't they because they're having a bit of personal experience this God could be real then I said he's real Liz is he I said yes he is she said well I wish I'd not phoned the ambulance now I said well (laughs) honestly it was just amazing really how it happened and I said well look let them come, let them check you over. She said, well, I give them a ring. I said, you give them a ring. Time's ticking on. It's getting towards four o'clock. And um, anyway, they were there. They were kind of waiting outside the house. In they came. She said, you go, you go. I said, I will. <laughs> that was that. The next day I phoned her. Am I taking too long over this? It's just to kind of help you kind of see the natural supernaturalness of it all. I phoned her. I said, how are you doing? She said, well, I never did go in. They said I was fine. I said, well, there you go. She said, and you may think this is weird. I said, try me. (laughs) She said, when I went to bed, after they'd gone, she said, six in the morning, they took forever. When I finally got to bed, I felt there was somebody in the room with me. Well, she lives on her own. She hadn't slept in weeks. Well, she tells me she's not slept in years. But anyway... I said, well, I'm not surprised, Liz. He is there, you know. You just have to talk to him. He'll answer. It's amazing. And it's just this window into her life, just step by step by step. And this is honestly not, oh, well done, Pierre, good for you. It's not that. It really isn't. It's a glory to Jesus. 
Look how he's changed me. The boldness. You know, it's like I couldn't help, couldn't help but bring Jesus in. And actually what I've realized since is, you know how there's that scripture, the love of God casts out fear. The love of God in me for this woman, it removed all the fear. Just made me brave. And uh, there was such a grace to it. And so actually it's the prayer that changes us. It's the prayer that causes us to become this portal, this gate of heaven. Because we're all the house of God. But a house of prayer becomes a gate of heaven. His first priority, you, you probably know this, but I'm going to point it out. His first priority for you and me as a house of God is to be a house of prayer. House of prayer becomes a gate of heaven. And it's just as you pray for individuals, opportunities happen. And there's grace. His grace is just in it, like this oil that just makes things go smooth. We're going to look at a scripture, um, Isaiah 50 and verse 4. It says, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned. I can't see because of the light. I should know how to speak. A word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Now, I'll be honest, it wasn't in my head what I was going to say to her. And it isn't until the moment, often, that you're in a conversation, that you open your mouth, you just come out with something. You know, but it's that kind of, as as you pray, he gives you a heart for the weary, but he also gives you his thoughts. He's working before you speak, and then the moment of the conversation then, He's working, bringing some reality of himself to that individual. And I had a wobble with her in one of the conversations. I actually started, I was standing on her doorstep. She was standing on her doorstep. I was kind of there just seeing how she was doing. And I had a bit of a wobble because I thought about what I was doing. In the middle of this chat, she just had the operation. And I, I went round there thinking, well, I'm the house of God, I'm the gate of heaven. Ding dong. And um, I didn't rang the bell. And, uh, <laughs> and she came to the door. And I, I had a bit of a wobble because I started to think about what I was doing. And you know the story of Peter? He was walking on water just fine till he looked down. It was like that. I started to think about what I was doing and I started to sink. And I thought, no, 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 don't just stop about that. Just focus on her. Just focus on the individual and care about them. And then you just naturally, supernaturally, you know, I wasn't in, I'm very much out of my comfort zone, but very much in his comfort zone. And honestly, it is very comfortable. That's what I'm discovering. Odd, but comfortable. And there is a joy to it. You know, he the kind of, he puts a spring in your step. It's like, well, I'm made for this, in fact. If, if the, look, if we're born again just to carry on doing what we normally do and then go to heaven when we die, we might as well just pop off. Yes. You know, because there are assignments for us to do. But there's grace for it. It's not a works thing. I really hope this comes across this morning. This is not a duty. It's not a works thing. It's a grace thing. If we could have the triangle back, it's really that one, two, three. Is you have a connection with God daily seek to maintain that connection with him you go from two to three and the whole thing just flows one two three and if you're one of those people who look at it and you're the kind of how am i going to do that how am i going to shoehorn that in it's you know 
If you maintain your connection with him, he will do the other two with our cooperation. He'll transform you with your cooperation and he'll give you the assignment with our cooperation. It feels like a risk, I'll be honest, to me. Maybe you're kind of different naturally. But I think in the moment when you know this is an opportunity, it feels a bit risky to launch out and somehow bring Jesus in. But as you just do it, whatever the Lord brings to mind, it's like, well, I'm walking on water and this is just supernaturally fine. I'm doing it. He's causing it to flow. There's a grace here. There's a grace here. At home, in your roles at home, you know, whether you live on your own, whether you're in a family, whether you're whatever your season of life and your kind of role in life, there's an assignment in the home, there's an assignment in your workplace, there's an assignment in church, there's an assignment for you out and about in the community, but it starts with prayer because a house of prayer becomes a gate of heaven. And I, I... I'm not saying I pray for hours on end for these people. Maybe collectively in a, I don't even know if in a week. But I do pray regularly. You know, for Liz, I'm always praying, Lord, show her you're good today. Take the pain away. Show her that you're real. Show her that there is someone there. Draw her to yourself. And that's it. I'll get on with whatever else I'm doing in the day. But I'm praying quite frequently. And also for several other people as well. We need help to do this. We kind of need to really encourage one another to do this. Um, And that's what connect groups are all about. Just to encourage and to support, to bring God's wisdom, to pray with you and agree in prayer when you do have opportunities. Also for a whole lot of social and fun. You know, to have faith friends. It's really important to have faith friends. You kind of need... You know, just having moved in with PJ for a couple of days which is a whole lot of social and fun amongst work. Um, but just yesterday, in the kind of, it was just crazy busy. She kept saying, well, there's grace for this. We've got his grace. It didn't feel like it, I'll be honest, as we'll kind of heave her in my freezer into hers and stuff. Just a lot of stuff seemed to happen all at the same time. But it kind of, you know, just to have somebody say, care for you, you know, whether it's a text even, Um, you know, there's grace for this. There's grace for you today. One can put a thousand to flight, Scripture says. Two, ten thousand. There's a supernatural multiplication when God's people join together. And it's for you to help you win your battles, slay your Goliaths, and really be effective salt and light where you live and work, you know, and carry out your life. So we're going to finish with 2 Timothy 1.9. It is God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. God has a purpose for you in your home. He has a purpose for you in your workplace, in your church, wherever, whoever, the triangle, just one more time. Thanks, Nikkei. If we will have that connection with God, we will be like Jesus in character and we will be like Jesus in our behavior, wherever, whoever. We're going to stand. We've got grace for it. Just 
turn to the person next to you and say, God has a great purpose for your life and there's grace for it. This is God's goal for you. It's God's goal for me, this triangle. But he really wants it to be our goal for ourselves. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.